Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning. So excited to have you here. Um, I am Pastor Courage Molina, and welcome to our virtual Saturday morning church service here at Ball Faith Community Church. We are a virtual church, and it is our aim that every Christian in every household would be a minister of God's word, equipped to rightly interpret it and empowered to apply it in all seasons of life. Our mission is simple yet powerful to share the good news about Christ and guide you in studying the Bible for transformation so that you can experience God's best in every aspect of your life. If you are here for that, you have come to the right place. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is where we show up for church Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Go ahead and jump in the chat. Let us know where you are joining us from. Because we're virtual church, it's so important for us to see you know, all the places that God is sending this message out to. So be sure to share where you are tuning in from. Hit that subscribe button. We are also here Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. EST for Mornings in the Word. Another great way for you to get in the Word of God and be a part of the community that we have here. Now listen, um, I would be remiss if I did not invite you to our third annual can y'all believe it's been three times? This is so exciting. Our third annual Faith Ignited Retreat. It takes place July 12th through the 15th, 2024. We're going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Grand Over Resort and Spa. The location is amazing. It's a beautiful backdrop to the beautiful things that happen on the inside of us. There are so many opportunities to connect with one another and for God to meet you in a new way, for him to reveal himself to you in a new way. Listen, this is not a normal retreat. It's not just like a regular vacation, something for you to do for fun. You will be transformed. You will not leave this retreat the same. And so go over to boldfaithchurch.org so that you can get all the details about this upcoming retreat and so that you can reserve your spot today. I don't know what you're waiting for. Stop waiting. Go ahead and reserve your spot. You can do that right now, okay? All right, so listen, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 27. Um, you can go ahead and get that ready. You can um, get your Bible. I'm going to be reading it from the NIV as it says there on the screen. But before we get into um, the reading, I'm going to give you some background. Let me give you a little bit of background for this. So when we get to Acts chapter 26, this is after Paul has already um, testified before King Agrippa and Festus is getting ready to send him to Rome because Paul previously um, appealed to go and speak before Caesar. And so now he's getting ready to send him. Who are the people that we will see in chapter 27? Well, of course, we're going to see Paul. And we know that Paul is an apostle. He's, a, he's on assignment from God to share the gospel to the Gentiles that they might repent and follow Christ. 
That's the assignment that Paul was on. We know him. And now he's on trial. We also see the author of the book, Luke. So Luke is also the author of the gospel according to Luke, right? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that Luke. He also wrote the book of Acts. And we can see that he has joined um, us once again as Paul's companion, his traveling companion and physician on, on this ride, right? Because um, we can see the use of the word we. You'll see that in the text here shortly. And that tells us that the writer has joined Paul again. You're also going to see Aristarchus. He is also someone we've seen before. He was with Paul in... Um, Ephesus, do y'all remember, you know, if y'all been with us for a minute, then y'all have been all through the book of Acts this year, where they were in Ephesus, he's a Macedonian, and he was in Ephesus with Paul, and Paul did this preaching, and he was preaching and talking about the one true God, and then all these blacksmiths or whoever they were that carved these, um, this goddess, I got my air quotes up if you're listening to it on the podcast, that carved this goddess out, the um What's her name? Artemis. Artemis. I think that's her name. Artemis of Ephesians. Yes, that's her name. Artemis of Ephesians carved her out. And so the men were like, oh, if these people start listening to them, then they're not going to buy our stuff. We're going to be broke. They're disrespecting the goddess. And so there was like this mob mentality and they drug people out. Well, our, uh, Aristarchus was one of those people that got drugged back then. He's from Macedonia. He's Macedonian. He's from... Um, I think he's from, don't make me tell you where he's from. Thessalonica, I think. I think that's where he's from. We also see Julius, um, not Julius Caesar, but Julius. He is a Roman centurion. Um, he is responsible for getting Paul to Rome. It's his responsibility to get Paul to Rome. We also see other soldiers, and it's their responsibility to get the other prisoners to wherever they're supposed to be going to. They're all going to Rome. We also, as always, and we've seen so much throughout um, Acts, the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit. We also see the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit shows up here like he showed up in every other chapter we've had. And um, we see that through God giving, God giving Paul some insight or some wisdom into like the fate of the ship and the fate of the people. This is how you know it's the Holy Spirit because it's outside of what someone like Paul would have been able to know. And so we'll see that here. So y'all ready to get into this? Y'all should be there by now. I gave y'all that little background. Let's read Acts chapter 27. NIV. Let's go. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Amdrimity, Andromidium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, see, was with us. The, the next day we landed. Do y'all peep this? We, 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 but it's not talking about Paul. Paul's not writing this. It's talking about the author, who is Luke. This is how we know that Luke has joined us again in first person. We is first person plural, right? So we know that Luke has joined us again. He is now accompanying Paul. All right, verse three. The next day we landed at Sidon and Julius, in his kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the Lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of 
Cecilia? No. Cecilia. I don't know. Y'all know these names. Off the coast of Cilicia. I knew that. Off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia, where the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off of Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete opposite Salmone. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lasia. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to a ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that, they, that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Calda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Citrus. Certus. They lowered the they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent batter from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves and this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took surroundings and found that they took soundings. I'm sorry, they took soundings and found that the water had 120, the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left, let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the boat. The, 
Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in a constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food for the, ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And this way, everyone reached land safely. That's a lot. I know. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's just slow down a bit and go back through um, what we read. One of the things, one of the first things that um, that I noticed is that Julius trusted Paul. That's one of the first things that I noticed. That the centurion, Julius, trusted Paul. He actually trusted Paul with his life because he allowed Paul to go out and see his friends so that they could provide for Paul's needs. But here's the thing. They were all they were all responsible for getting the prisoners to their destination. And if the prisoners went free or anything like that, then the centurion, the soldiers themselves, could be killed as a result of losing the prisoners. So to allow Paul to go out and be with his friends and not have any fear or not be worried about Paul not returning, this man trusted Paul with his life. So it starts to make me wonder, why would he trust Paul with his life? It must have been something about Paul's character. Paul's character clearly showed him as trustworthy, even as a prisoner, even as somebody who had been held in prison for two years for a crime that he had not committed, um, a decision not being made, how many times he had to testify. His character still remained the same, even under you know these dire circumstances. That's just one of the first things that stood out to me. The other thing is that the trip started off rocky, right? The trip started off rocky right from the beginning anyway. It was like right out the gate they're already having problems but the reason that the trip is starting off this way there's a mention of what time of year it is so it's around it's actually around this time of year it's around october they didn't have navigational devices back then they didn't have a gps i don't even know if they use gps on the ship even now i mean i'm sure they got something they have some type of navigational 
tool that tells them which way they're going and how to get there, right? We know that because ships are going places all year round. All year round, ships are going places. So clearly they have some navigational system. But back then, there was not any navigational system. So the way that they navigated was by looking at the stars. Well, at certain times of year in that area that they were in, it would have been more likely to have storms, which means there's more clouds. And if there's clouds and storms, it means they cannot find their way. So this is already a gamble. Deciding to leave this time of year to travel it's already like, maybe we're going to make it, maybe we're not, maybe we're going to run into some trouble. Um, so that's that's already a problem because they have a minimal view of the stars, right? So this, it's usually difficult around that time anyway. Um, but Paul had this supernatural insight, right? Paul had this supernatural insight. He's trying to tell these people that this, you know, this is not a good time. We shouldn't, we should not sail from here. And it falls on deaf ears. And you wonder like, oh, why? I wonder, maybe you don't wonder. I wonder why the author said, made a point of saying that they didn't listen to Paul. They listened to the owner and the pilot. Well, why would they listen to Paul? This is about sailing. He is not a sailor. He's not a fisherman, right? Maybe if he were a fisherman like Peter, maybe they would have listened. But Paul is not those things. So when Paul says, hey, it's not a good idea for us to go, why, why would they listen to him? And I was thinking, why would Luke even bother mentioning that, right? Making a point to say, but they did not listen to Paul. They listened instead to so-and-so. Well, so-and-so, these other people are talking about have more experience have more knowledge. It's their boat. I wouldn't listen to Paul either. You know what would make you listen to Paul? If you knew who he was. If you understood that Paul was an apostle and that Paul heard from the Holy Spirit and was guided by God and he got wisdom and insight and discernment from the Holy Spirit, it, it explains why Luke felt the need to include this because Luke, our author, knows exactly who Paul is. Well, I know Paul, and if Paul said we shouldn't go, we shouldn't go. Why? Why does, There's no reason to say that. There, yes, it's a bit of a risk. Yes, it's a bit of a gamble. But if the pilot says we can do it, then we, you know, we're going to listen to him. Luke knew Paul, and he knew that Paul's discernment and his ability to be able to um, predict or prophesy, right, what was going to happen or what was going to you know, be a possible outcome was based on who he knew Paul to be and the God that he served. I just thought that was very interesting. You know, um, they just they didn't know him. There was, however, right. They didn't just ignore him for no reason, because truthfully, there was a risk to staying where they were. There was already a risk. There was already at the very least, a risk or a disadvantage. They were Their boat was going to be exposed. Um, certainly, uh, the weather was going to get worse over time, and it wasn't a good place for them to winter, so they didn't want to stay there. They wanted to get to a place that was going to be better or that was going to increase their chances of their boat surviving You know, over this um, difficult weather season, right, over this actual difficult season. And so it makes sense that the majority would vote to stay, would vote to go, right? It makes sense that the, the majority of the people would vote to go because 
one, this is not a good place to winter. Two, the pilot in them already said, the sailor, the captain, the owner of the ship has already said, you know, he likes our chances at leaving. And the only person who's going against us is Paul, a prisoner. And he don't know nothing about no sailing. He doesn't know anything about sailing. So why would we stay? Why would we stay there? So they left. And guess what? Storm hits, right? The storm hits, just like Paul said, and it's pretty bad. And it reveals the wisdom of Paul's advice, which is really important that it reveals the wisdom of Paul's advice. Because after they, they're going through the storm for so many days, Paul seems kind of like a jerk right here. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, when I first read this, the first time, you know, I ever read this part or I ever heard it preached, I just thought, that's very petty. It's what I thought. When he says, um, let me see, let me see where it is, where I can find it. I wanted to tell you the exact verse. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, so Paul, let me just paint this picture, right? So Paul gave them this advice. I don't think we should go. They listened to the captain. They they voted on it. Everybody voted for them to leave because they wanted to avoid the risk of, you know, there being damage to their ship. And wherever they were, I don't remember. There were a lot of cities here. Wherever they were, um, there was a chance that their ship was going to be damaged. It wasn't a good place to winter. So Paul gave them this advice. They voted. They decided not to listen to Paul. Now they're in the middle of the storm. The storm's not over. They're in the middle of the storm, y'all, okay? Now they're in the middle of the storm, and now Paul is standing up to say so. Paul is standing up to say, y'all, see? Uh-huh. <laughs> y'all should listen to me, because I told y'all that we wasn't going to make it, but y'all ain't listening. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food. So now they're hungry. First of all, don't tell me nothing while I'm hungry. Don't tell me, no, you told me so. I told you so. That is not going to, this is going to make me very angry. I'm already hangry. Nothing's happening. I'm hangry. I haven't eaten food in a long time. I probably have motion sickness on this dang boat because it's a storm looking like we might die. It's not looking like we're going to be going where we thought we were going to be going. And then this dude who's the prisoner stands up and says, man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Creek. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. I just felt like when I read this the first time, First time I ever heard it or read it, I just thought that was so petty and unnecessary. It really felt like, it felt like an I told you so, like an unnecessary I told you so. But then Paul continues and he encourages them, right? He says, hey, but I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be, only the ship will be destroyed. And then he goes on to tell them because the God that I serve came to me and told me these things, Right. So Paul reminds them of this advice. And on first glance, it seems pretty petty, right? Um, but when, when he's got to now give them some new advice and some new instruction, they are probably a little bit more inclined to listen because he's just reminding them, hey, now I said something to y'all before. And y'all didn't listen. But if you had listened, you wouldn't be in this trouble. 
now I'm getting ready to tell you something else. I'm getting ready to give you some more advice. You ain't take that advice and you should have. Look around. Now I'm getting ready to give you some more advice. I think by reminding them of the advice that he gave them, gave them an opportunity to really see, okay, to see who Paul is and really to understand the power with which he speaks, like where his insight, his truth and his wisdom. It's not coming from some know-it-all who could not know it all. It is coming from the Holy Spirit is giving him this insight and this wisdom. And so now everybody that is on this boat remembers when Paul said we shouldn't do it that we were going to have damage. And guess what? He was right. So now we all voted based on what y'all said. And it, we, it didn't go the right way. It didn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Now with Paul bringing this up and reminding them, they have an opportunity to take Paul's advice. So he gives them this encouragement. And this time when he gives them this encouragement, he does something that he didn't do before. He gives them the source of his insight. This is where we know that it wasn't just Paul's best guess, that he wasn't just lucky. He didn't flip a coin. It wasn't because his knee was itching or his palm was itching or his knee was tingling or his foot was tingling. It's not because of none of that. But now Paul reveals the source of his insight. You know, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom, I'm ser whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must then travel for Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So now Paul is revealing, I'm telling y'all not to worry and I'm encouraging you. I'm not just saying that because I'm delusioned. Come on, Jesus. I'm not just encouraging you while you're in the middle of the storm. I know it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look. I know that you made the best decision that you could with the time, with the information that you had. I know that you didn't understand that my insight and my wisdom came from God, right? I get that. And it's not looking like that, but I'm here to tell you right now, I'm able to encourage you, not because I'm delusional, not because I am a toxic, positive person, right? Isn't that what they say? Like, it's not toxic masculinity. What is it? it what it put it in the chat? Y'all know what I'm talking about? When they're like, if you're this positive, it's like, it's like a negative. I cannot, I literally cannot think of what it's called. Um, toxic positivity, right? Is that what it is? I think that's what it is. Toxic positivity. Oh, you can't have that. You can't do, you know, when I, when somebody's encouraging you in, in your darkest season of life and telling you it's not going to end this way, when you tell somebody that you're separated and the, your husband said this to you or your wife said that to you, when you tell someone that you've had yet another miscarriage, when you tell someone that you, you know, did a launch and you didn't make any money, when you tell someone that you're still struggling with depression and you're still struggling with anxiety and you tell someone, hey, I've been spinning my wheels and I've been trying and I'm in a difficult time. I don't know how these bills gonna get paid i don't know what to do with these kids when you are telling somebody that you are in a storm and they tell you to take courage that it's not always going to be this way that there's going to be full restoration to your family and your marriage that there's going to be full restoration when it comes to your finances that god is going to redeem the time that all the time that's been lost between you and that family member will be restored like it was never gone that god's going to give you back that time you can start to believe that they are delusion when you start to encourage someone and tell them them, um, when somebody starts to encourage you and tells you that, you know, your marriage is not going to end. I know it looks difficult. I know that you're going through this difficult time and it's been a long time like this, but God has got his hand on it and God has got his hand in it and it's going to be turned around. When you start to say that to people, it can seem delusional. 
When I say, oh, he's going to be fine. It's, it's going to work out okay. God's going to make a way. When I, when I say, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to end like that. It, you know, this illness will not be unto death. When we start to hear people say those things, we can get so frustrated and so angry because we think that people are just being positive. But when you know the speaker, right, uh, when you've seen their work, when you've seen what they've done. And so they, they've had some experience with Paul, very short amount of time, but they still have this experience where Paul gave them this advice and they didn't take it. And they're seeing the wisdom the truth of what Paul said. So now they are more likely to hear. So when you hear from a person, when the person that's speaking, now you do have to consider the source, right? Which is what they did. They considered the source. They didn't understand the source of, of Paul's insight. And so they considered the source as just being Paul and they dismissed him and they went on to sail from Crete from Crete. But when you consider the source and now the man that's encouraging me, now the man that's telling me that our ship is going to be lost, but not our life, we're going to be fine because uh, we're going to get to where we need to get. Now I'm considering the source. This is a man who, uh, who has given God his ear. This is a man who God speaks to. This is a man who God reveals his plans to. So now I can actually take heart and I can be encouraged, right? He tells them that their lives will be spared. They still going to lose the ship, which is probably not what they want to hear. Are you in a situation right now where the Lord is telling you this is what it's going to be? Now, there's some things that are going to be saved, but other things are going to be lost. Paul's not saying everything's going to be all right, but he's saying the things that matter will survive the storm. Come on. He's saying the things that matter, which is your life, not this boat, not the grain, not any of this, the things that cannot be replaced, they will survive this storm. That's what Paul is saying. He's not saying everything. I wonder who's ignoring what God is saying because he's not saying what you want him to say. He's, he's not saying what you want to hear. You want to hear that everything is going to go exactly. No, you're going to lose some stuff. Okay. You're going to lose some comforts. There are going to be some things that you relied on in the past that will not survive this storm. There, I'm going to say that for the people in the back. I'm going to say that if you're in a storm right now, and I know we've been on this, if you still waiting, you still in the middle, in the middle again and ain't moved nowhere. If that's you, drop a heart because this is for you. This is for you. I want you to know this. I, I want you to know that God is saying there are some things that are not going to survive this storm. There are some things that you will lose in this storm. There's no getting around it. You're gonna lose some stuff. But God is also saying, be encouraged because the things that matter most are going to survive this storm. Life, the life of your marriage, the life of those relationships, the life of that purpose that God has for you, those things are going to survive. Some of that stuff you're going to lose. That's just what it is. And that is what Paul is saying. Be encouraged because your lives will be spared while the ship will be lost. Even with that word, they still did everything they knew to do to save both their lives and the ship. 
okay? Even though they got this word from Paul, they still did all that they could do to, to save the ship and to save their own lives. They did all they could do. They ran ropes under it. They put the anchor down, pulled the anchor up. Somebody was trying to leave the ship. Paul said, if they leave, we're going to die. They cut that so the folks couldn't leave. These people did all that they could do. They did all that they could do to save everything that could be saved in the storm. They did everything they knew to do in order to try and save the ship. That includes praying. They also pray. And this is where I stand. This is where I stand, where I live and I breathe right here in this space, right here on this corner, right here. I'm about to tell y'all about. This is where I live. I, I, where I live, I know that when the Lord speaks to me, for me, it's not audible. It's not an email. He's not sitting right in front of me. So when I believe things that God has told me, when I say, well, God told me this, God spoke this to me, I can only be about 80% sure. Now, of course, that 80% feels like 100%, but it ain't 100% until it comes to pass. That 80% feels I'm 80% certain that the Lord told me to quit my job. I'm 100% certain in retrospect. At the time, I could only be about 80% certain. Some days it felt like 50-50. It's a 50-50 chance that I heard the Lord. But because I believe that this word that God gave me is going to come to pass, this word that's in my heart, I believe that it came from God. I'm going to do all that I know to do. For this thing and that includes praying they prayed too now they prayed to their gods but paul also prayed the believers also prayed right some even tried to escape they tried to get out of it i don't know who's trying to escape the storm that you're in but if you try to get out this storm that you're in there are going to be some things that die that weren't meant to mm. You are trying to escape. Somebody is trying to escape the storm that they are in. They are trying to literally jump ship. I'm going to leave this. I ain't doing this no more. You're not trying to figure out a way to do it. You're not, you're not even praying about, okay, God, help me find a way to do this so I can start this ship. No, you are literally trying to jump ship. You want to absolutely leave the marriage. You want to get a divorce. You want to quit the job. You want to get the job. I don't know what it is. I don't know who you are, but there is somebody that wants to jump ship. And the Lord is saying, if you jump ship, there are going to be some things that die. That he didn't intend to die. You are going to cause some things to die when you jump ship. And so there were soldiers who tried to escape and Paul gave them a warning like the warning I'm giving you. And this time, because he reminded them, right, because he had reminded them, remember that time I told y'all what was going to happen and y'all ain't listen. This time they listened. What seemed petty in the beginning turned out to be God's protection. I'll say that again. What seemed petty Paul seemed petty by saying, I told y'all not to sail from Crete and y'all ain't listening. But if you had listened, you wouldn't have had no damage to your ship and you wouldn't have had no loss. That seemed petty. But it turned out to be protection because 
if those in charge hadn't listened to Paul this time and had allowed those sailors to jump ship, then they all would have died. So Paul making the statement that he did, reminding them that he had given them advice that turned out to be true or they didn't listen, actually turned out to protect all those that were involved, right? Now, like I said before, you know, it's clear that Julius trusted Paul with his life because now that they are to this little island, wherever they are, they're jumping off the ship and they're getting, you know, these prisoners are getting ready to jump off. These men want to kill the prisoners. And the reason that they want to kill the prisoners is because if they get away, then their own life is going to be on the line. Here we come again with the centurion, right? Julius protecting Paul, he wouldn't allow it. He was like, uh-uh, we're not. And he was in charge. So there might have been other soldiers on there, but Julius was in charge. He outranked them. He was high ranking. He was like, uh-uh, we're not about to do that. Everybody hop off. Go ahead and swim to where you need to swim to. If you can't swim, um, you know, straight, shout out to Titanic. Go ahead and get you a little uh, piece of wood that you can get on so that you can get to the island. And guess what? Everyone survived, just like Paul said. Everybody survived, just like Paul said, you know, and arrived on the island, proving once again that Paul was a man of wisdom and insight beyond his human capabilities, that the Holy Spirit was there. Now, there were lots of things in this in this section of scripture that I want you to take away. There were some encouragement. And so um, I didn't give you a title, but if I had to give you a title, I would say surviving the storm. All right. So if, if you didn't start taking notes, you can certainly start taking notes now on um, the title. I would have given it um, surviving the storm. And so there are three, three things that we got, three types of things, three categories. I don't know how else to say it. The first thing I want to give you is some encouragement. If you're going through a storm, I want to encourage you with the lessons that we saw from Acts 27. This is encouragement for you, okay? All difficulties and challenges that you face aren't from the enemy, but he'll use it anyway. Everything that you, every difficult, I'm gonna say it again in case y'all are writing. All difficult situations and circumstances aren't coming from the enemy. The storm that held them, the difficulty that they had getting out, and it, it, it took longer than it was supposed to take. It was already a long time. That wasn't the enemy. It was the weather. It, it wasn't the enemy. It was the weather. It was um, October. I know it was near October because it was after the Day of Atonement. It's during a time when the sky isn't clear right? Where they have more cloudy days. It's uh, it's like saying, you know, oh, that hurricane was from the enemy. Well, it's hurricane season. The enemy didn't attack your home with a hurricane. It's hurricane season. Now, listen, they may not be from the enemy, but he will use it. So while you're going through this storm and you're facing these difficult situations, Stop giving the enemy so much power. 
Stop giving the enemies, like stop featuring him with every single thing that happens. It was snowing because it's the winter. It's the hurricane because it's hurricane season. It was difficult for you to see the deer that jumped out in front of you because it's the middle of the night and you're on the small road and it's bad lighting. But the enemy will use it. He will use a storm to say, hey, the reason you're going through the storm is because God has forgotten you. The reason you're dealing with this thing in your marriage is because, you know, your husband doesn't love you. The reason you're struggling financially, you know, your business hasn't taken off. It's because, you know, you're a fraud anyway. You're really an imposter. You're trying to teach people to do something that you haven't done yourself. Or how, who are you to teach people to do something? Look at where you are. What good has that done you? Look at how you struggle, right? It's not that every difficulty comes from the enemy, but he will certainly use it. I want to encourage you and tell you, remind you that God keeps his promises. God told Paul long ago, you going to be a testament for me in Rome. Ain't nothing changed about that. That promise didn't change. The problems don't change the promise. The problems don't change the promise. The pain don't change the promise. God keeps his promises. So what he told you about your family, what he told you about your mind, what he told you about your money, about your marriage, about your ministry, that thing is going to come to pass. God keeps his promises. He promised to do something for you and those that were on the boat with you. Sometimes people are going to be blessed because of their attachment to you. Because of, because of their location, because they're in close proximity. Paul wasn't even connected to those prisoners. They were just all on, going to the same location. But still, God was willing to spare them for Paul. God keeps his promises. So whatever, whatever God told you he was going to do, hold on to that promise. I want to encourage you and remind you that God protects his people. He protected Paul on more than one occasion, several times before he got on the ship and they got in this storm. And during the time they were in the storm, they wanted to kill the prisoners. Um, God protected him. He might have used Julius to do it, but God continued to protect Paul. Um, Paul said that the last time he testified. I've been doing exactly what God said for me to do. And while people have wanted to kill me, God has continued to, kept, to keep me like he's kept me up until this point. God protects his people. So there are some things that you are worried about that you don't have to be worried about because God is going to protect you. God protects his people. I want to encourage you that there are some people in your life, like I said, with Paul on this boat. They live in your house. They may not be connected to you. Or they may be people that are at the same job as you. Or they may be people in the same apartment complex as you, in the same city as you, in the same neighborhood as you. I'm going to encourage you and let you know that some are going to be blessed because of God's goodness to you. Some of y'all are going to be blessed because of God's goodness to somebody else. It's this runoff blessing.
Okay, there's a runoff. He's pouring, pouring his blessings and protections and anointing on his people. And those that are in close proximity will also be blessed as a result. There will also be blessings and protections that cover them as a result. I want to encourage you. I also want to remind you. I want to give you a reminder. Um, there are a couple of reminders I have. I, I want to give you a reminder. Close contact reveals character. People who aren't close to you, they may misunderstand you because they don't know your character. They may get the wrong idea about you because they don't know your character. Okay? I also want you to realize that close contact reveals character, that you may think you know someone, you may feel like I know this person, I can trust this person, but truthfully, you haven't been in close contact with them. You haven't been in the same space with them. You haven't been in community with them. Close contact reveals character. It is why people struggle to trust those who don't allow people to get close. If I'm trying to get close to you and you're not being vulnerable and you're not allowing me to, then the spidey senses go up and it feels like there's something about you I can't trust. It's why you're having difficulty in relationships because you're not allowing people to get close. It's not that you have bad character. It's that you have low self-esteem. It's that you have a wall up. It's that you fear vulnerability. You don't want people getting too close. You have this fear of rejection. But when you keep people at arm's length, there is something about you that they don't understand. And because you want to allow them to get close, they question your character. Do you know why? Because closeness reveals character. Close contact reveals character. It's why somebody says, well, I, you know, married him or I married her, but I didn't know it was going to be like that until we started living together. Yes, I went to their house. Yes, we went on vacation together, but it wasn't until we started living together, until after we got married, that I really began to see some stuff because closeness, close contact reveals character. It wasn't until I started working with this person. It wasn't until collaboration or or a partnership that I really got to know this person reveals character. And so I want you to take that for every single angle that you can use that for, for yourself. If I want to reveal my character to people, I gotta let people get close. If I want people to get to know me, I have to allow them to get close. Then what people say about me, what they heard about me, what it looks like, people's perception of me won't matter because I've allowed people to get close enough to, for my character to be revealed. Good, bad, and in between, my character has been revealed. And so some of you are struggling in relationships, and, and this isn't a sermon about relationships, but I can't move on yet. Some of you are struggling to make close relationships. You're not in close relationships. There are some deep relationships that you'd like to have, or you see others who seem to be, um, you know, so close. They're like, oh, that's my best friend. That's my best friend. Or, you know, they seem to have this very deep relationship with one another where they are relying on each other. And you want to know why it's not happening for you. It's not because you're a bad person, says the Holy Spirit. It's not because you have bad character. It's because your fear of rejection has put up a wall and you don't allow people to get close. And we know that close contact reveals character. So when you don't allow people to get close, they believe that you have something to hide. Another reminder for you, sometimes the risk of leaving seems greater than the risk of staying. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes the risk of leaving 
is greater than the risk of staying, right? So think about this. I want to go back to the scripture. You know, there was this risk associated with them staying. If they stayed where they were, it wasn't a good place to winter. There was a risk there. And the risk of staying there, right? Whatever they thought was going to happen to their boat. The risk of, of staying there, right? Seemed so big. So they decided to leave. But the truth is leaving caused them a greater loss. I know the situation that you're in right now isn't perfect. And I know that you're looking to leave. I know that you're looking to quit. I know that you are looking to, yeah, that's it, leave and quit. Those are the only two that you're going to do. I know that you're looking to leave and I know somebody's looking to quit because where you are, you think, if I stay here, there's this risk. If I stay here, there's this possibility. But leaving it's going to cause you greater loss. All right. I want to remind you that loss and suffering in a storm may be unavoidable. Maybe there was going to be some damage to their ship if they stayed at Crete. But maybe you're in a season where loss and suffering is unavoidable. It is what it is. You are going to experience some loss and you're going to experience some suffering and there isn't anything you can do. You're trying to choose something. Come on, Holy Ghost. You are trying to make a choice. You want to choose the thing that's going to eliminate the possibility of loss and suffering. And the Holy Spirit is saying there isn't any, not in this season. There isn't a choice that you can make that is going to make you immune Right, that's going to vaccinate you against loss and suffering in this season. It is unavoidable. There are some things in this season that will be lost. There are some things that you will suffer in this season. It is unavoidable. Don't allow that to paralyze you from making choices. Don't allow that to keep you down and out. Accept it. Accept that there are going to be some things that I'm going to lose in this season. But remember that what matters the most will survive this storm. A reminder, there is no experience or training that can outperform the wisdom of God. There is no experience or training that can outperform the wisdom of God. Nothing. Nothing can outperform what the Lord say to do. There was a season in my life where I said I didn't want to be responsible. I want to be obedient. Then at some place I've got off track and then all of a sudden I wanted to be responsible and I wanted to be respected and I want I changed my mind I don't want any of those things anymore I don't care about respect I don't please don't test me okay <laughs> I'm just kidding but I'm not kidding I'm not saying I don't care about respect from in my relationships I'm saying you know sometimes you get in your head about what people are going to say about the choices I don't care about respect and I don't care about being responsible I just want to be obedient. 
because what I know for sure, what the scripture is telling us and what I know from my own personal experience and that is that there's no experience or training that can outperform the wisdom of God, which means there's nothing that you can do. There's no one that you can listen to that's going to give you better results than you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And sometimes what God is telling you to do is what the gurus are telling you to do. And it's the way the gurus are telling you to do it. And that's great. And that's wonderful. Sometimes it ain't, though. And I don't care how successful they've been. Your success is tied to your obedience. One, because you're a believer. So you don't get to act like everybody else. And that's just what it is. You don't get to do things the way other people. That's just, that's not for you. That's for those kids. You, you ever went somewhere and your mama say, I don't care how they act. You better not act like that. Because I'm your mama. She don't care what the other mamas is letting their kids do. You better not do it because I'm your mama. That's what the Lord is saying. Okay, those other folks, they might be doing this. You're a believer. You're a child of the most high God. So we're not doing that over here. This is how it's going to be done. And it's not even to say that what they're doing is bad or whatever, but their strategies and their ways, what they're saying, that's not for you, child. That, that, that experience and that training that they have is wonderful, but you need to have an ear for the voice of God. You need to develop an ear to hear the voice of God in your regular, everyday, practical life so that the choices that you make, do I take job A or B, do I leave or do I um, stay, do like, am I going to do this or am I going to do that, what side of town am I going to, like those decisions, what product am I going to launch, what boundaries am I going to set in my relationships, when you start to make those practical choices, practical decisions, you need to have an ear for the voice of God because there's nothing that outperforms that. Uh, just another reminder, last reminder, particip participation and prayer are required. They did everything they knew to do. Paul opened his mouth and said what needed to be said, not once, but twice. He didn't say they didn't listen to me the first time, so I'm not going to say it again. I know we love to say that. Well, I already told him and I ain't do it, so I ain't saying nothing else. Paul did what he needed to do. He participated and they prayed. Participation and prayer are required. Okay. And then the last set of lessons that I got from the scripture that I want to share with you are some of the instructions I feel like God has given us, some of the direction, right? So we got some encouragement. We got some reminders. That's exciting. Here comes the direction. God is telling us to pray and participate. You want to survive the storm. You need to pray and do everything you know to do. Pray and participate. God is telling you to not keep quiet for you to speak up, whether it is speaking up for yourself or speaking out, you'll have to, you'll know where God is giving you this direction, where God wants you to apply the direction that he's giving you, right? He's calling you to not keep quiet, but for you to speak up. Maybe you need to speak up in your family. Maybe you need to speak up at your job, speak up with your clients, speak up in the mastermind. I don't know. But God, is, maybe you need to speak up when it comes to a family member, um, your mom or your sister or your spouse. 
I don't know. But God is saying, you want to survive this storm? The direction he's given us is that we don't keep quiet, that we speak up. This last one um, is that you don't stand by, that you step in. Paul didn't stand by, he stepped in. Julius didn't just stand by and let them kill Paul, he stepped in. Paul didn't just stand by and watch those sailors cut the thing because then everybody was going to die. He stepped in. I don't know where you need to step in, where you've been standing back. You've been sitting back and you've been watching and you've been an observer or you've been thinking about what needs to be done, but you haven't spoken up and you haven't stepped in. God is saying it is time for you to speak up and for you to step in. This is what we need to do, and I am stepping in to do it. I'm not just minding my business. No, I'm doing what the Lord said, and so the Lord has given this direction for you. This is why we study the Bible this way. This is why the church is set up this way, honestly, so that we can get, we can read through the word of God. We can get a revelation. We can understand, we can interpret it. And so that we can get direction from God. He's not just giving us lessons and insight and wisdom for us to just write it down in a notebook. It's because God wants us to do something. God is giving you direction. Every time you're in the word of God, studying it, interpreting it, I want you to turn to applying it. I want you to expect to get direction from God. And God is giving you direction today. He's saying to you, and I don't know in what area, but he is saying to you, he wants you to pray and participate. You need to be praying about the situation like only God can help you. And you need to do everything that you know how to do in that situation. And you need to speak up and step in. And when I say speak up and step in, you know exactly where God is telling you to speak up and step in. You know exactly what I may not know in what area, but you know exactly where you have been quiet and God is calling you to speak. You know exactly where you have been an observer and God is asking you to step in and be active. You've just been sitting back, you're back up against the wall like a wallflower and the Lord says that season is done. If you want to survive this season, you want to survive this storm, then those are the things that you need to do. Pray and participate. You need to speak up and you need to step in. And maybe you feel like I can't do this work. Maybe you feel like I don't hear from God. Like you're talking about hearing from God. I never seen this before. I never heard this before. I don't hear the voice of God like that. It's hard to hear the voice of God without the spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is a gift that you get um, on the other side of salvation. So salvation is a gift. It's a bonus. I get the gift of eternal life. And then I also get the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? You also get the gift of the Holy Spirit, but maybe you don't know the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit alive in you. You know what I'm saying? Because you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I invite you to say this prayer with me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead and I now accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me for my sins. Thank you, Father God, for saving me from the hands of the enemy. Thank you for giving me an eternal life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. You said it and you meant it. That is it. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you meant it, that means that you are now a part of the family of Christ. You are now a co-heir with Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir. Praise God. Somebody, let me get y'all to drop some fire emojis because somebody has come to know Christ. They have been redeemed from the hands of the enemy. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, listen, if that was you for the first time, then send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you, rally around you, get some resources in your hand and help you to get plugged into Bold Faith Community Church. If you are returning to Christ, if you have decided that Bold Faith Community Church is your church home, um, then you can go ahead and send us an email. We want to know that too at praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Uh, we know that these are individual decisions, but you don't have to do them in isolation. It is so much better when we live out this faith life in community. We were never meant to do this alone. Now, listen, if this sermon has blessed you, then I want you to share this video. You can hit that share button right there on YouTube and send it out to a friend, to a family member, share it on your social media, um, share it everywhere, share it at work. Who knows? Share it with anybody and everybody you know that you want to give a word of encouragement to. And if you like this sermon, if there's anything that resonated with you from this message, if you thought it at any point, okay, this is for me, this is mm -mm good, then I want you to go ahead and like the video. When you subscribe to this YouTube channel and you like the videos and you share, that lets more people, that helps to push us up to the top, right? And people who are looking for a faith space like this can find us easier when you do that. So go ahead and do that for me. Now, listen, if this is your home and you have loved this message, you can give your tithes and offerings at boldfaithchurch.org. You can give it as a tithe and have it reoccurring. You can give a one-time gift, but I'm going to go ahead and thank you for giving as the Holy Spirit leads you to. We could not do this work without the generosity of those of you who are committed to giving your tithes and offering here. So thank you so much. It helps us to spread the good news about Christ all over the globe. And so we so appreciate you. Now, y'all know that we are not done. So you can go ahead and go to our website, boldfaithchurch.org so that you can join us in the Zoom conversation. Um, I, Pastor Courage Molina, I lead in the, that discussion and there are other amazing group leaders there too. We connect with one another, connecting as a community, really growing. This is where growth and fellowship and church family begins. You call this church your house and you are home on a Saturday, that means you are in the Zoom with your family. Okay, so don't miss out on that. It's also in the link right here over in the chat. It's pinned to the top of the chat, uh, the direct Zoom link. And if you go to the church's website, you can also get the Zoom link as well. And so thank you as always for joining us on a Saturday morning. I know that you can be anywhere, but because you are here, I get to do work that sets my soul on fire. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Um, I look forward to seeing you in the Zoom. Come on in and join us. If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.